Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lionel Home Loans, or as you see in Spanish, Lionel Home Loans. I want to thank you for tuning in. It's uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night, July 20th. It's about 9 p.m. Um, like I said, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for following and for downloading and um, pretty much checking out my other episodes. We're going to start tonight on a business and business credit. Let me first let me first start off with introducing myself once again, reintroducing myself. I myself am a, a mortgage loan originator. I work at a mortgage brokerage firm. I have experience in banking. I worked in Citibank a few years ago as a, as a teller and as a personal banker as well. And I'm also a credit specialist. So I'm a credit consultant and I specialize in both personal and business credit. Now let's kick things off. So um, tonight's episode is business and business credit. So what I mean by that is what I mean specifically is how to start a business, the documents needed, uh, a to-do list that you're going to have to make, uh, a website, um, entities, business credit, uh, Dun & and Bradstreet, which is a somewhere, some, somewhat of a credit bureau, uh, Baydex score, vendor accounts, a personal guarantor, business credit, uh, U.S. bank, business credit cards, for example, like U.S. bank, uh, checking accounts, business accounts. So first things first, when starting a business, the first thing you want to do is you want to outline, you want to create a business plan or a marketing plan as well. A business plan, you're pretty much what you're doing is you're creating an objective, goals, you're making benchmarks, you're deciding what kind of business you want to go into, you want to do an analysis of the industry you want to go into, you want to look at for opportunities, you want to create a target audience who you want to sell your or market your products or services to. You want to um, create graphs, pretty much going over how much money is going to be needed, how long it's going to take for you to get your money back, the type of financing options you have available, what type of business entity you're going to create, whether it's going to be a DBA, doing business as a, a corporation, an S corp, a C corp, an LLC. If you want it to be a nonprofit, what your objectives are. I mentioned earlier what your milestones are going to be, how it's going to take you to get your money back to break even. You also want to detail your marketing plan. That you will go over uh, specifically your target audience, like I mentioned earlier, how you're going to measure your success, what kind of marketing you're going to do. It's going to be social media marketing, uh, digital marketing. You're going to use search engine optimization tools. Are you going to have a website? What type of products or services you're going to be Rendering, or you're going to be, you're going to be having, uh, providing for your, for your, for your potential customers, your clients. You also want to go over uh, a SWOT analysis. What that is is pretty much your, your, you're checking your strengths, uh, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats within the industry you want to go into. You want to do your research also into the industry itself, uh, see what's going on with that. You look at some reports, do some homework, do some data searching. It's a lot of things that go into a business plan. This is a new, it's just a few things you need to outline when you need to create. And most importantly, you need to figure out your, your funding. Are you going to put money out of your savings, your checking? Are you going to get business credit? Are you going to get business uh, funding? Are you going to ask for, for partnerships or for people to invest into your business? All of these, all these things are things you need to look for when you're creating a business plan. And like I mentioned earlier with a marketing plan, there's a lot of things that goes into it. Um, you can use the marketing principles. And those are uh, the four P's. Well, it's actually the five P's now, but the four P's were originally the, the product or service you're going to be selling, the place where you're going to be creating this or selling your distribution center, the promotion, what type of advertising you're going to be doing, 
what promotional events you're going to be creating. And um, I believe your pricing, your pricing strategy. Are you going to start low and gradually increase your prices? Are you going to start high and then gradually decrease your prices like in, in the electronics industry when when you see a new telephone, a, a new a new a new television, any kind of electronic usually starts really high, but eventually the prices come down. So uh, these are things you want to look into as well as the people. When I say people, I mean your staff. What kind of staff are you getting building? Is it going to be multi-level marketing? Is it going to be just a few members and you use yourself? The things you want to do when you want to create your business plan or your marketing plan. Uh, there are some really good books that you can look into if you want to learn how to make a business plan and marketing plan. One book that I suggest is Marketing for Entrepreneurs. It's Concepts and Applications for New Ventures. It was read, it was written by Frederick G. Crane. It's a really good book. It goes over practical application. Um, it teach, tells you about extensive coverage of social media. It has built-in learning aids, which means that in every chapter you'll find entrepreneur marketing spotlights that illustrate how successful entrepreneurs are using contemporary marketing techniques like social media, for example. Um, there's even a, a, a sample marketing plan within this book. It's an appendix and it, and it includes a fully featured entrepreneurial marketing plan that you can use as a model in building your own plan. It's a really great book. Like I mentioned previously, it's called Marketing for Entrepreneurs and it's written by Frederick G. Crane. Crane, C-R-A-N-E. Frederick G. Crane, Marketing for Entrepreneurs. It's a really good book. Look into that book, buy it. You can find it on Amazon. Um, sure, other other book other book book purchasing places. You can go to your local bookstore. But look for this book if you want to know how to create an outline, how to create a marketing plan, a business plan, create a skeleton for your for your ideas. It lets you know whether something's feasible, what's not, what 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 what's the best way to narrow down your ideas, what, what the business you want to start. What makes the most sense? And it's a good guide all around to teach you how to create a how to create a business plan, a marketing plan, and, and how to do this on your own. It gives you really good examples on how to promote yourself, how to brand yourself. And like I said, it went over the four, the marketing mix, the four P's I mentioned earlier. And actually the fifth one, the people as well. So it's a good book and look into it. So uh, let's move on to the next topic, which is um, now that we know how to create a business plan or marketing plan, just a few things that went over and you can get that book. Let's go into entities. So when you're when you're creating a, a, a business, you want to create an entity, a business entity. What that means is that that business entity is now its own person, or it can be described as a person. A few entity types are, for example, an LLC, which is a limited liability company, an S corporation, which is a form of corporation, a C corporation, which is another form of corporation. There's also nonprofit organizations. That's another another avenue you can go into. There's actually four types of nonprofit organizations. Right now, there is a public charity, there's foundations, there's social advocacy groups, and there's trade organizations. Those are the common types of nonprofit organizations. So aside from that, like I said, you can also do a DBA. Uh, a DBA is pretty much what it's saying is that you're, whatever your name is, if it's John Smith, you're doing business as John Smith Electrical or John Smith's Electrical Consulting. It could be... a uh, John Smith's media consulting. Whatever it is, the point is, you're, it's not an actual entity. It's still, it's you doing it as a certain type of business. So when someone writes you a check, if they're making that to that business, when you're billing someone, they're making that to that business. When you open a checking account, open it in that business, but it's just yourself as that business. So that's what a DBA is. 
a DBA can be a file through, a, through your local county. Um, part of the process is picking a name, making sure that it's available wherever your location is at, wherever city or state. Um, you also want to look, you want to see if it's, if it's, avail it's available. If it is available, then you have to pay a fee for that name. You then have to submit a publication to the newspaper or some kind of publication, an editorial, uh, something, some kind of newspaper. And, um, you'll, you'll have, you'll have to post that, that name for four weeks. And after four weeks, no one s speaks up or says anything about that name. That name becomes yours now. You can file that DBA. You can, they're going to get that DBA. You're going to have certain paperwork and that paperwork you can take to, um, to, to open a checking account, a business checking account to get, to get lending. Uh, you can use that to enter a city to get a business license. So there's a lot of different things you're going to need with that DBA. You can also create an entity, like I mentioned earlier, an LLC, an S Corp, a C Corp, and you can still have a DBA. So that would be, for example, XYZ Corporation or Incorporated doing business as Eric's Consulting. So um, those are the few entities that you can go into. There's more entities, uh, more specific nonprofits, but those are the ones I want to go into. Um, another thing you want, you want, I want to make clear is that when you create these entities, at least in the state of California, there's an annual fee. And that's annual fee is $800 and that's made to the franchise tax board. You're going to pay that with an LLC, with an S Corp, with a C Corp. Not with the DBA because it's an actual entity itself, but those are the ones you're going to be making. So let's move on to more specific entities. I want to talk about an LLC, what it is, um, certain highlights about it. So I'm going to give a brief summary on it. So first thing to highlight about an LLC is that um, you can go up to 100 members, even foreign nationals as well. It's known as a pass-through. What that means is that you don't pay taxes or income taxes or federal income taxes on an LLC. Rather, it gets passed through to your personal taxes. It's important because it means you're not going to get double taxation. You're not going to pay taxes on the federal level as a business. And you're not going to be paying taxes again on a personal level. So you avoid one form of taxes and you avoid either the income or the loss. I'm sorry. You, you pass through the income or the loss into your personal income taxes. This uh, analysis is also usually um, chosen if you're going to be making less than $50,000 annual sales. So this is a great way to start your business. Start low, start small. Try to get as minimum expenses as possible when you're starting. So it's under for, it's under for $50,000 annual sales or projected revenue. If you're going to have that kind of income or you're going to project that kind of income, then I would suggest you go with an LLC. An LLC also has liability, which means that it separates any liability from you and the business. So, for example, someone sues you, they can sue the business, but that won't affect you because it's this business itself is being sued. So you're not being sued. So you separate your, your, your liability from the business. Like I mentioned earlier, there's no corporate tax. So um, if you want to learn more specifically about an LLC, you can visit Investopedia.com. They have great knowledge and pros and cons, and it lets you know a lot of things about the investment world, whether it's, it's a business or it's a stock market. Uh, I'm not sure about crypto, but even just like the mortgages, anything that has to do with the finance and business. Investopedia gives you a lot of good um, information on there. So I'm going to read um, a little bit more about what an LLC is. So a limited liability company, LLC, is a business structure in the United States that protects its owners from personal responsibility for its debts or liabilities. Limited liability companies are hybrid entities that combine the characteristics of a corporation with those of a partnership or sole proprietorship. A sole proprietorship is another word for DBA. And a partnership is just one or two more individuals getting together in collaboration to create a business. Now, while the limited liability features is similar to that of a corporation, 
the availability of the flow through taxation to the members of an LLC is a feature of, the, of a partnership rather than an LLC. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Now let me go ahead and look more into specifically about an LLC. I'll give you some more details about it. And this information is according, like I said, to Investopedia. You'll find information like this on a, on, on a Investopedia. So let's, we meant, we should, I read what I mentioned earlier. So let's, let's read some more things about here. So to, for, to many states, so let me give you a few things about what an LLC is. So many, limited liability companies are permitted under state statutes and the regulations governing them vary from state to state. LLC owners are generally called members or, and, and within those members, there's managing members. Uh, many states don't restrict ownership. That means that anyone can be a member, including individuals, corporations, foreigners, foreign entities, and even other LLCs. Some, some entities, though, cannot form LLCs, including banks and insurance companies. So that's something good to know. Uh, an LLC is, is a formal business arrangement that requires an articles of organization to be filed with the state. An LLC is easier to set up than a corporation and provides more flexibility and protection for its investors. Articles of organization is you're pretty much stating what your business is, what it specializes in, and who are the members of it. Those are just a few of the things listed in articles or organizations. There's a lot more involved than just that. Um, LLCs may not elect to pay federal taxes directly. Instead, their profits and losses are reported on the personal returns of the owners. This is, this is what I meant by pass-through. The LLC may choose a different classification, such as a corporation, and it means that in regards to how its tax status is. If fraud is detected or if a company fails to meet its legal reporting requirements, creditors may be able to go after the members. I mentioned earlier that's limited liability and you separate yourself, but if something like like a, like fraud, then that won't protect you. That's a whole different story. So uh, there's a few advantages and disadvantages of an LLC. Uh, the primary reason business owners go and owners opted to register their business as an LLC is to limit the personal liability of themselves and their partners or investors. Uh, many view an LLC as a blend of a partnership, which is straightforward business arrangement between two or more owners and a corporation which has certain liability protections. Although LLC have some attractive features, they also have several disadvantages. Depending on state law, an LLC may be dissolved upon the death of a bankrupt, upon upon death or bankruptcy of a member. A corporation can exist in perpetuity, though. Uh, other things that we can talk about, um, like I mentioned earlier, is that uh, limited liabilities. I'm, I'm going to say what they're used for and the two main advantages of them. Uh, it prevents the owners from being held responsibility from being personally re responsible for the debts of its company. If the company goes bankrupt or is sued, the personal assets of its owners and investors cannot be pursued. So that means they can't come after your house or your assets, your money, your liquid. It allows all profits to be passed directly to those owners to be taxed as personal income. Like I mentioned earlier, it avoids the double taxation of both the company and its individual owners. Uh, and another thing to, that people often ask, are limited liability companies tax differently than corporations? Well, they are. They are different. They are tax differently from corporations. In the case of a corporation, profit profits are first taxed at the corporate level, and then taxed at a second time on those. Most of those profits are distributed to the individual shareholders. This is what is meant by double taxation. 
LLCs, on the other hand, allow the profits to be passed directly to the investors so that they are taxed only once as part of the investor's personal income. So that's a few things about an LLC. Like I mentioned, if you want more specific things, you can look at Investopedia.com and it can help you a lot. So let's move on to the next entity that I want to talk about, and that is a C corporation. So a C corporation is just like I mentioned earlier, like an LLC. It has liability of its own. It separates you from the from the corporation. It does come with a corporate tax though, but it, you are able to issue stock, common stock, which is great. So a C corporation or a C corp is a legal structure for a corporation in which the owners or shareholders are taxed separately from the entity. C corporations, the most prevalent of corporations, are also subject to corporate income taxation. The taxing of profits from the business is, the both, is at both corporate and personal levels. This one creates an actual double taxation situation, unlike or in reverse to an LLC. C corps are, are compared, can be compared with an S corporation or even an LLC, among others, which also separates a company's assets from its owners, but with different legal structures and tax treatment. A newer type of organization is the B Corporation or Benefit Corporation, which is a for-profit firm but different from C Corps in purpose, accountability, and transparency, but aren't different in how they are taxed. How they're taxed. So I'm going to read some more details of what a C Corporation is according to Investopedia.com. So how does a C Corporation work? So corporations pay corporate taxes on earnings before distributing remaining amounts to the shareholders in the form of dividends. Individual shareholders are then subject to personal income taxes on the dividends they receive. Although double taxation is an unfavorable outcome, the ability to reinvest those same profits in the company at a lower corporate tax rate is an advantage. So that's something to look forward to. So how do you organize the C corporation? Well, the first thing you do is you choose and register your unregistered business name. You do that with the local state, uh, the state of secretary. The registrant will file the articles of incorporation with the secretary of state according to the, to the laws of that state, like I mentioned earlier, like I just mentioned a few seconds ago. C corporations offer stock to shareholders who upon purchase become owners of the corporation. The issuance of stock, stock certificates is upon the creation of the business. Like I mentioned in my previous episode, you know, you, once you buy a certain amount of shares or one share, or stock into a company, you become an actual owner of that company, even if it's just some small percentage. Now, all corporations must file an SS4 to obtain employer identification number. That's called an EIN number. I'm going to go more into, deal, into details with what EIN numbers a little bit in the future. So although certain, although work requirements vary across from jurisdictions, C corporations are required to submit state income, payroll, unemployment, and disability taxes. In addition to registration and tax requirements, corporations must establish a board of directors to oversee management and the operation of the entire corporation. Appointing, appointing a board of directors seeks to resolve a principal agent dilemma in which moral hazard and conflicts of interest arise when an agent works on behalf of a principal. So within a corporation, you'll see a, uh, a board of directors and then you'll see uh, executive. So an executive would be like a CEO, a COO, a CMO. A CEO is a, is, a, is a chief executive officer. A CMO is a chief marketing officer. 
A COO is the chief operations uh, executive officer. So, and then there's a board of directors. The board of directors, they're the ones that vote together to see who's going to appoint the next CEO. The CEOs are the ones who manage the business, but the board of directors are the ones who appoint those managers. So let's look at what the benefits are of a, cor of a C corporation. So C corporations limit the personal liability of the directors, the shareholders, the employees, and the officers. In this way, legal obligations of the business cannot be can I become a personal debt obligation of any of those individuals associated with the company? The C corporation continues to exist as owners change and members of management are replaced. A C corporation may have many owners and shareholders. However, it is required to register with the SEC upon reaching specific thresholds. The ability to offer shares of stock allows a corporation to obtain large amounts of capital, which may fund new projects and future expansions. So sometimes a company will go public after being successful after a year and maybe they want to expand and want more money, more capital. They will go public and they will enter the stock market and now they start issuing stock. With that stock, they build up capital and with that they can reinvest and start expanding and, and creating more projects in the future. So those are the few takeaways from a C corporation. So now let's move on to the next to the next entity, which is an S corporation. Now a lot of people fought for S corporations. So an S corporation, just like I said, I mentioned earlier, it shares a liability advantage, just like a C corp and an LLC. It, ha it, ha it does have the ability to issue shares of company stock, though. Its owners cannot be held personally or financially liable for claims by creditors or against a company, just like a C corp, just like an LLC. So an S corporation is it, it's it, another word to say another word for S corporation is an S corp, uh, also known as an as an S subchapter which refers to a type of corporation that meets specific internal revenue codes requirements. The S Corp is a structure that offers certain tax advantages over C corporations or over C Corps, which make up the bulk of corporations. For example, an S Corp, but not a C Corp may pass income along with other credits, deductions and losses directly to its shareholders without having to pay federal income taxes. It's just like the LLC. S-Corps are usually associated with small businesses, like 100 or few shareholders. An S-Corp status effectively gives a business the regular benefits of an incorporation while enjoying the tax-exempt privileges of a partnership. Another structure common among small businesses is an LLC, which has some of the same advantages of an S-Corp. So some companies, for example, one of a company that I know, uh, one of my clients, they are an LLC with the franchise tax board, that's their business entity. However, they're taxed as an S corporation because I believe there's no LLC tax corporation status in the state of California. I'm not sure there's any other country, other states, but for sure there's not in California. So that's why that specific entity is, uh, it's tax or its structure is according to the IRS. So let's look at some more details about what S corporation is. And this is, a, like I mentioned earlier, this is a, according to Investopedia. So uh, an S corporation, it gets its name from the subchapter S of the IRS Revenue Code, which I mentioned earlier, under, under which they've been elected to be taxed. The key characteristics or takeaways of, of this type of corporation filed under the, the subchapter S is that it may pass business income, losses, deductions, and credits directly to its shareholders without paying any federal corporate tax, making it something as a pass-to-entity. I said that before. Just saying it over again. 
It is liable on the corporate level for uh, for taxes on specific built-in gains and passive income, however. Aside from its tax status, an S-Corp is similar to any other corporation or C-Corporation, as they're officially known. A for-profit company incorporated under and governed by the same state of corporation laws. It offers similar liability protection, ownership, and management advantages as a C-Corporation. It must also observe internal practices and formalities, have a board of directors, write corporate bylaws, conduct the shareholders' meetings, and keep minutes of significant company meetings. For example, like the change of membership of members within a company, uh, how much uh, each member holds or how much equity they own in the business. Those, those are significant company uh, meetings. So how do you set up an S-Corporation? Well, you must file for a Form 2553 with the IRS. That's Form 2553. It's officially known as election by a small business corporation. The form states that the IRS will accept the S-Corp only if the business meets all qualifications of the status, for that status. All shareholders must have signed the consent statement and officer has signed below and the exact name and address of the corporation entity and other required form information has been provided. Now let's look at some of the advantages for registering an S-Corporation. The biggest advantage is the tax benefit. You don't, you don't get taxed, you know, there's no double taxation. Uh, another thing is an S-Corp status can lower the personal income tax tab for the business owners as well. By characterizing, characterizing money they receive from the business as a salary or dividends, S-Corporation owners often lower their liability for their self-employment tax. The S-Corp status generates deductions for business expenses and wages paid to the employees. That's a good thing. There's also tax benefits for pass-through entities that apply to S-Corp owners. S-Corp shareholders can be company employees. We can earn salaries and receive corporate dividends that are tax-free if the distribution does not exceed their stock basis. If dividends do exceed the stock, the shareholder stock basis, the excess is taxed as capital gains. But these are taxed at a lower rate rather than ordinary income. Another advantage is that you is that being able to, to transfer its interest or adjust property basis without facing an adverse tax consequences or having to comply with compliant complex accounting rules. So you can transfer interest and you won't have to go through a headache of going through all those transfers. So it's really great. Another thing is that S corporation status may help establish credibility with potential customers, employees, suppliers, and investors by showing owners from formal commitment to the company. Now let's go over a few of the disadvantages of an S Corp. So make sure that before you pick an entity that you know all the ins and outs and a great source, like I said, investopedia.com doing your research, but most importantly is an accountant. An accountant will pretty much let you know which entity makes the most sense based on your industry and how much you're going to be making and what are the taxes or tax breaks or, or what's the future of that, in, of that specific industry for your business. Also, like I said, what you're going to make, you know, what you, what you grow, what your gross annual income is going to be. One of the few advantages, disadvantages, I'm sorry, is that it can disguise salaries as corporate distributions to avoid paying payroll tax. So the IRS scrutinizes how S-Corps pay their employees. An S-Corporation must pay reasonable salaries to shareholders before the service can be rendered before any disruptions distributions are made. So you have to have a reasonable salary if you're going to be paying yourself. If you're going to be yourself, if you're, you're going to be making yourself an employee and paying yourself out, it has to be reasonable. It can't be too little and it can't be too much. It has to make sense. 
setting up business, uh, setting up a setting for an escort requires time and money. The business owner must submit articles of incorporation with the SOS, which is the Secretary of State, and wherever the state is being created. A corporation must be obtained, must obtain a registered agent for the business and pay other fees associated with incorporating itself. So you have to pay fees. Another thing is that it limits on the number and the nature shareholders might prove owner is for a business and that's growing rapidly and wants to attract venue or capital or institutional investors. So just to go over a really quick pros and cons. The pro, the tax benefits, no or lesser corporate tax and self-employment tax for owner, no double taxation for shareholders. It has protections for corporations, there's limited liability, there's transfers of interest. It's also very prestigious and has a lot of credibility. The cons, it's the cost of me of being incorporated. It's very complex compliance rules and potentially growth inhibiting qualifications to maintain status. So those are the few, um, you know, the, the pros and the cons of an S Corp. So like I mentioned before, it's, it's, it's difficult to pick which entity you want. So the best thing to do is do some homework, but most importantly, find yourself an accountant or CPA that can guide you through the process. Let them know your goals, how much you plan on making. They'll look, they'll go over the fees for you and they'll pretty much let you know which one makes the most sense depending on the industry and what you, what your prediction, your annual income and how complex it's going to be, especially if it's only a small amount of employees or it's going to be a big company. So these are things that you want to remember and things that you want to share with you or with the CPA when you find one. So those are the few. So I want to mention some more things though. Uh, there is a few a few more takeaways about a, an S corp. So like I said, uh, it's usually associated with small businesses with with 100 or less uh, few shareholders, and there are no citizenship or, re, or residence requirements for ownership of a C corporation or an LLC. That's for C corporation LLC, which differs from an S corporation. An S corporation does not allow non-resident aliens to be shareholders or owners. But, a U, but any U.S. citizen or as an alien may be a shareholder or an owner. So once you create once you create your entity and you decide which one you want after you've already created your business plan and whatnot, now you want to want an EIN number. That's an employment identification number, an employer, I'm sorry. That is kind of like a social security, but for your business. And that's going to be important. Because you, that's how you're going to file your taxes. That's how, you know, companies can be able to look you up to see if you're real or not. Lending institutions, if someone wants to do homework on you, the IRS can find your file depending on your EIN number. And like I said, that EIN number is also going to be useful in a different way in getting business funding or business credit. Um, specifically, I'm sorry, business credit, not business funding. Business credit. When you want to acquire business credit, you're going to need an EIN number. And towards the end of the show, I am going to say about the difference between business funding and business credit. So we're going to talk about that soon. So an EIN number, you file that with, I believe, the IRS, or it might be the Franchise Tax Board. You have to look into that. But either way, it's free. You can file it, and you should get it within a few days. It shouldn't be that that, that difficult. Usually, you file it when you file your entity with the, with the CPA. They can file the EIN for you as well. And like I said, it's free. Once you have your articles and corporation or Whatever documentation you created once your, your business established, you have your EIN number. The next thing you want to do is open a business checking account. Business checking account. Do not mix whatever money you're going to be spending or you're going to be making 
with your personal checking account. Separate those two. You need to keep them separate because when it comes to filing taxes yearly, you're going to have to put what you spend and what you earn from your business. And you do not want to mix up with your personal income taxes. You want to create a separate business checking account for that to keep track of everything. Do your bookkeeping, pay your taxes, everything so you know where you're at, what the health of your business is. You don't want to mix with that with your personal because once you're mixing that up, it's going to be hard to decipher what is what. And it's going to be hard keeping it, keeping track of how well your business is. It's it's health, uh, how much you spend and how much you're making when you start mixing with your personal income tax. And it becomes a nightmare for you going through all those statements and even a bigger nightmare for the CPA. You know, CPAs charge hourly. So you're giving them more work to do by doing that. So a way to, to cut down the cost is to separate those accounts. And for small businesses, you can actually do the bookkeeping yourself. You can actually, you know, do your own, do get your own checking account, your own credit cards. You can see how much you're spending, which categories, whether it's inventory, supplies, your income, all these different expenses. You can do all these things yourself, and it's very easy. You calculate it monthly, and then once you calculate these expenses monthly, you categorize them. Then you add them all together, you categorize them annually. And these are the numbers you're going to be given to a CPA when you file your income tax. So you want to open a checking account. At a, back, back to what I was saying earlier, you want to open a checking account at a bank. You can open it at a credit union, a national bank, a small bank. There's uh, business banks, community banks you can open them at. I personally recommend opening an account at U.S. Bank. The reason I say specifically U.S. Bank is because U.S. Bank is one of the few banks that offers a free business checking account. Just like a personal account, there are fees for business accounts and personal accounts. Depending if you have to meet a specific criteria or required minimum of transactions or an account balance. If you don't meet that balance, then you start getting monthly fees. And that's for both personal and for business. However, if you go to U.S. Bank, there's no minimum transactions and there's no minimum balance. So you can have a free checking account the whole time. It may not seem nothing. those was $10, 15 but at the end of the year, it, it adds up and... After about a certain amount of years, it really does add up and it makes a difference. So U.S. Bank is a great place to open a checking account, a business checking account. Now, another thing is that when you're opening a checking account and you're picking a specific branch or bank, just matter if it's U.S. Bank or not, but you want to do your homework on which bank meets your needs in terms of merchant banking, the monthly fees, uh, the free things that they give you, the free services. And when you find that bank, you need to build a relationship or rapport with the bankers in that in that in that branch and even the branch manager as well, as well as the tellers, because the more the more you get to build a relationship with them, with the rapport with them, they'll be able to give you discounts and waive fees for you and work with you. And when you have questions about very specific transactions in your in your business or you have a dispute, they're more willing to help you and they're willing to go the extra mile for you when you build a relationship and a rapport with them. But it goes both ways. So as you're as you're asking for all these different things because of the business credit, because of your credit and your or the amount of money you're bringing into that branch through your business account. You're going to have to do them a favor as well by opening accounts with them. You know, you want to open your personal account, open your business account, like I mentioned earlier, have your personal credit cards there, your business credit cards there. Try to get your mortgage, try to help that branch as much as possible because banks have quotas each month of 
how many products or services they need to be opened and the volume or the cash money for or the amounts of the total amounts for those specific categories. Do them a favor. They're willing to break their back for you and do a lot of work for them. So, you know, open your accounts there, all your accounts as much as possible. Senior employees open their accounts there as well. You scratch their back, they're going to scratch your back. So build a relationship with them. Get to know the, the, the bank. They'll give you free cashier's checks, free official checks, money orders. They could waive monthly service fees or, or, or even certain things. They could even go as far as uh, giving you free checkbooks. So there's a lot, so there's a lot of incentives to build in a rapport with a specific branch, and and not only that, but they can force pay certain things. I know sometimes, you know, having a business account, you can have a lot of money coming in, but then you can have, you can get hit with a lot of expenses at the same time, and sometimes those expenses will cause your account to be negative, and they'll force pay those those specific debts or those or those, or those ACH or those checks or those debits, and um, it'll go through. It won't bounce. So there's a lot of you know incentives to, to open an account. At a, at a bank and, and building a good rapport with the staff there. So another thing you're going to want to do, depending on your business, is get a seller's permit. So a seller's permit, for example, in California, you do that through the California, I believe, tax, Taxes and Fee Administration. I'm not sure what the, what it is exactly, but something you're going to have to look into is get a seller's permit. A seller's permit pretty much states that you're, you're not going to pay taxes on certain items. Rather, you're going to pass it on to your customers and they're going to pay the taxes so you're going to collect the taxes and then quarterly you're going to pay these taxes to this specific you know tax administration and they have different taxes you know city taxes state taxes county tax you're going to get all collect all these things and um this administration or agency will help you calculate the taxes and they'll give you a total amount of how much you have to pay each quarter each quarter is you know just the first second third and fourth quarter first quarter is you know january to march second is is april to june Third is July to, I believe, September, and the fourth is, you know, October to, to December. So if the seller's permit is free, you should usually get it right away. This is something important if you're going to be paying taxes. No sales tax, all these different things collecting taxes. Like I said, it's a free thing, and it can also help you avoid paying taxes when you're buying things. If you're buying things from a wholesaler or a company, you don't have to pay taxes on that because you're going to buy it at whatever the price is, the wholesale price, and then... When you sell, when you get that product or that service and you sell it to your clients, I'm sorry, to your customers, then that's when you collect the tax. So it's good to have a sales permit. Another thing also on your to-do list when starting your business is getting a business license. Depending on the type of license business you're going into, you're going to need a specific business license. You can get that business license with your local city. If you're going to be a consultant, you're going to be selling services or products or goods, you go to your local city. You ask them, you know, you tell them what your business is going to be like, how much you're going to make, what you're going to be selling, and they'll give you an appropriate fee. Um, there are also very specific business licenses, like licenses to uh, to to sell alcohol, and, and that's a very specific license that you also have to go with the city. So when you're choosing a business, make sure you know exactly what kind of licenses you need to have. You know, some some businesses have very expensive licenses, others don't. Depends on the city or the county or the type of business that it is. For example, the cannabis business, they have city licenses and state licenses, and those come with some hefty fees. But it's because in that industry, there's a lot of revenue. How much profit is a different store, but there's a lot of revenue within those industries. That's just a quick example. But there's other businesses, other industries where you like I said, you have to have a state and a city license. So once you get your licenses and your seller's permit, you also want to get liability insurance. 
there's general liability insurance, which protects you against being against lawsuits. And these are things good for like, a, for example, if you're selling like a, a something edible, like food, you want to get general liability um, insurance so that if you get sued, someone eats something, gets them sick, the liability insurance will cover that for you. We'll cover the lawsuit depending on how much your policy is and obviously how much they're suing you for. One company that I can refer to, if you live in Southern California, uh, there's a there's a there's a company called Rosewood Insurance and they're in Pasadena. They offer some really good uh, rates for general liability insurance. So the next step in starting your business is creating your target audience. You want to know specifically, you know, who you're going to sell to. Uh, you want to know more, as much things about your target audience, their demographics, sometimes their ethnicities. It's not really that important, but really, you know, we want to sell something, you want to sell it to everyone. But there are certain products or services that are targeted to certain type of people or certain ethnicities, I guess you could say. I'm not sure. But the point is you want to create a, a demographic. You want to create whether it's going to be a male, female, ages, what their income is going to be like, what their lifestyle, if you, what, what neighborhoods you want to. You want to sell your products or services to, and then that's when you want to take note of the local ethnicities. If, if this certain type of ethnicity likes to buy a specific type of product or not, that's one thing to keep in mind. But never, never, never pinpoint or 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 choose not to sell to a specific ethnicity. That's immoral. That's wrong. Everyone should be able to open or purchase any product or service, but just keep in mind who realistically is going to buy your product or service. That will help you determine your marketing plan. So that's when it comes to your target audience. Like I said, you want to know what they're making annually, what their interests are, what their behaviors are, what their age is, uh, maybe it's, you know, what their gender, the very specific things that you want, because that'll, that'll help you make you figure out what type of product or service or how you're going to market to them, how your advertisement's going to be created, uh, your branding, your colors, your messaging, all those different things go into that into when you when you create your target audience. And your age as well. Age is another important thing as well. You don't ever want to pinpoint one age and not choose to choose another, but you want to, you don't want to say, I'm only going to, you know, start at this specific, you know, age range. You never want to do that, but you want to just keep, keep in mind who more like, most likely is going to buy your product or service, depending on what type of service you want to target them. Another thing you want to do also is after you create that is decide, is your business going to be local? Is it going to be face to face? Are you going to be selling it at a, uh, you know, like a brick and mortar, a physical location. Is it going to be online only? So and it depends on your product or service, what you're selling. Another thing is that when you, if you do decide to go have an online website, you have a few options. There's many companies that you can uh, open your, create your domain with. One of them is GoDaddy, which is, which is where you host or you buy the .com, the domain. But then you also have to create, you have to decide which type of businesses or which type of company you're going to go with when choosing to create your website. A few of them at the top, the top of my head that I can name are Wix, Shopify, and Square. And I've experienced with those specific website creation companies. For example, Wix. Wix is a good website. It has a really good look. It's professional. It's clean. It's easy to use when creating a website. But that's mostly targeted to consultants or if you sell some kind of some kind of service rather than a product it's good for booking appointments like i said if you're if you're, if you're a consultant or like, like a graphic designer it has really easy just easy you know websites to create so you can create portfolios on there put create, create your portfolio on there and, and book appointments and get leads another website creator or creation company is shopify shopify is a really good company if you want to sell actual products 
products like or whatever, any kind of physical, tangible product like a food or, or a merchandise or clothing, uh, you know, clothes. Those are good because that Shopify is really good because it has really good analytics and those analytics will tell you, you know, who's buying what from what areas, what time of the day, which type of devices are buying, whether it's a phone, a tablet, a desktop, geographic locations, time of the day, days of the week. It comes with a lot of good analytics and these analytics will let you know who's buying yourself so that you know how to target them when you're creating an advertisement. Uh, Shopify does come with a monthly fee and annual fee. I believe you do, if you choose an annual fee versus a monthly fee, there is a savings with that. And also with Shopify, you can also incorporate other applications into it. Certain applications are, for example, like an application to, to get donations when someone makes a purchase. Uh, another one is an application to where you can create landing pages. You can add it into your Shopify website. Another one is, is coupons, giving people specific coupons or stacking two coupons on top of coupons. Uh, that's another good one. Uh, another good, like, you know, a good app that, that's, that, that you can, that's, you know, that, that's connected to Shopify. There's several, uh, there's several applications and, and numerous options for one specific type of application you're looking for, like for numerous landing pages, applications, and they're all available through Shopify. So, so that's a really good resource. Like I said, if you're going to be buying, sorry, if you're going to be selling products and you want to have analytics and you want to tie in, you want to integrate other applications into it. Uh, another form or another website creation company is, is Square. Square is a really good one. Square is a really easy one. There's no monthly fees. They give you a free chip reader, um, something that reads your, you, you read the, you read the chip or slide the card. You can put it on your phone. You can, they give you a little tablet. That's something that, 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 that comes with the fee, but the free, the free version is, is the chip reader. You can add to your phone and you can slide your client's credit or debit cards on there. Or you can, you know, if it's the tap and pay, you can use that as well. Uh, Square has no monthly fees, no, no, no monthly fees or service charges. However, they do collect money. When you, when someone slides a, a credit card, debit card, there is a percentage and a specific percent per transaction. So that's something to keep in mind. The, the more, the more transactions or more volume you have in a checking account, the more money you're making, then that gives you leverage to want to shop around. And that's when you can get lower rates or lower percentages when they charge you per transaction. So that's something to keep in mind. Square is really easy. Like I mentioned, it's, it's free for some free services, easy to make a website. It's good for products. Good or even for consulting as well, but it's mostly good for products. You can make really good websites. The analytics aren't as sophisticated or as much compared to Shopify, but they're very basic. It gives you an easy breakdown of which items you have on your system, which items are selling the most. Reports like where you were at a year ago, your previous quarter. It gives even reports for how much you collected in taxes, sales taxes from your clients. And, you know, so you know how much exactly to, to pay up quarterly, like I mentioned earlier. So this is some some good websites, creation websites that you can use when you're creating your website. Just to reiterate once again, Square is monthly service free. The monthly service is free. Wix does have an annual fee, possibly even a monthly fee as well. I'm pretty sure it does, but the annual fee is always cheaper. And Shopify does have a monthly and annual fee as well. So depending on what you're selling and how much you're working with, whether you know the and, and how much how much capital you're working with. You want to choose certain websites that, that's the most appropriate for you, most website creation company that's appropriate for you. If you're starting at low, you have no money, I would suggest start with Square.
And then eventually, if you want, if you want more analytics, more application, more sophisticated website, then you can move up to Shopify. Or you can say at Squarespace, like I said, it's really great. If you want to sell services or consulting or you're a graphic designer, you want to create a portfolio, which is another option as well. And there's tons of them. There's a tons of more. Even WordPress is another one. I don't know the specifics of WordPress because I have no experience with them, but that's another one. You can always look into WordPress and see what kind of you know packages they have, the monthly service fees, annual fees, what benefits they have, and who WordPress is, is targeted for. I do know, however, that a lot of people use WordPress because it's very easy to 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 manage or to update specifically when it comes to coding. So let's move on to the next thing, the next topic, which is now picking an accountant. You probably already chose an accountant when it came to business, you're creating your business entity, but you don't necessarily have to stick with them. Uh, and you want to create, you want to choose an accountant, a CPA that um, gives you, you know good 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 fees on on how much you're going to pay when you when you submit your, your annual taxes, also on bookkeeping. If you're not, if you don't know about bookkeeping that much, or you're not that good at it or good with numbers, then you can always hire, hire a CPA who can do the, the bookkeeping for you. There is a, there is some kind of software though. It's, it's called uh, QuickBooks, and that that software does categorize and does a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the bookkeeping for you. That comes with the annual and monthly service fee as well though. But that's something to keep in mind. When choosing a CPA, obviously you want to, you, you want, you want to. You want to keep certain things in mind, like like I mentioned earlier, the fees. Uh, if they understand the, the fees, and another thing is, if they specialize in a specific industry, certain CPAs specialize in very specific industries, like real estate or or selling products or foods, uh, merchandise, clothing, and and they, they specialize in these specific industries because they understand that specific industries have certain tax exemptions or or tax advantages. And and you know they they'll understand which one makes the most sense. So which one which one can which what they'll let you know is they'll they'll be an industry they'll be an expert in the industry. So they'll they'll know how to help you pay your taxes or avoid certain taxes or minimize taxes or expenses or, or find you know creative ways to help you on taxes if if that if it's necessary. But like I said, you wanna you want you wanna choose whatever CPA you can you feel comfortable with. Their services are great. There's a good communication. And if they're an expert in a specific industry that you're that you choose to create your business in, that's another plus. So aside from that, now we can move on to the next. So actually, you know what? I do want to bring up one specific uh, CPA or tax services that I recommend: Valdez Tax Services. They're a tax agency. They help you report, your, you know, pay your your business and personal income taxes, but they also do bookkeeping as well. So you can reach out to them to see what their rates are, their quotes are, depending on your business, the how much paperwork is included, the bookkeeping. They'll give you a, a fair charge. They're really good too. They are located in Los Angeles. They're located in 4588 Whittier Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, 90022. Again, that address is 4588 Whittier Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, 90022. Their phone number is 323-597-1595. That's 323-597-1595. So now that you picked an accountant, uh, let's talk about one of the biggest things I ever want to talk about tonight, and that is business credit. I know we're at 50 minutes, but this episode is going to take a lot because there's a lot of information or a lot of things that need to be done when creating a business. So the next area is going to be business credit. Uh, hopefully this won't take that long. I'll try to power through it and speed through it as much as possible. 
So business credit. So business credit is similar, has some similarities, but there are also some differences with personal credit. For example, both both um, business credit and personal credit use Experian and Equifax as their uh, credit bureaus to help to create a credit score or a credit report. Uh, both Experian and Equifax have a personal have a personal department, personal credit department, and a business credit department. One thing though is that there is no TransUnion credit bureau. Instead, it's, it's replaced with a DMB. DMB is Dun and Bradstreet. So a Dun and Bradstreet, that is a company that just like a credit bureau, and they issue a very specific Dun and Bradstreet number, and that's the number that you use when you um, start to build a business credit. Uh, and, and not only that, but the Dun and aside from issuing you a specific number, they also give you a specific score, and that score is called a Paydex score, and you have a DB number. Now a Paydex score is somewhat similar to a personal credit score, but not exactly. A personal credit score ranking or, or the FICO scoring model for personal credit reports, the scoring is 850, I'm sorry, it's 350 to 850. On the business side, it's actually from zero to 100. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, when do I have good credit score? I'm referring to personal credit score. It's usually when you pass 700, 720, 720 and up. That's when you have a good credit score. You have excellent credits when you go into 760 and higher. Now, when it comes to the business credit, you want to start, you want to build up your business credit. And once you get to an 80 PIDIC score, that's when you have good, good credit score on the business side. Now, there's, there's different ways to build up your business credit. But first, let's talk about the differences, like I said, and the similarities between business credit and personal credit. Now, one of the biggest differences is credit utilization. When you use a lot of your credit cards or your trade lines, you have a high usage of your credit card. For example, let's say you have a credit card for 10 grand and you use eight, nine grand of it. That usually brings your score down. But when it comes to the business credit, how much you use of the credit card makes no, it isn't affected at all whatsoever. It doesn't increase it or lower it, it just doesn't really affect it. What, what Experian Business, Experian, Equifax, and DMB, John and Bradstreet look at are how many accounts you have, vendor accounts, trade lines, business credit, business loans, and how many months you're on time making your payments. That's what they focus on is, is the payment history and how many accounts you have. Somebody even look into you know, the size of your trade lines or your usual revolving line of credit. That's another factor, which is similar to, 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 to personal credit, but not exactly. So uh, a business business uh, so in order to create your to start your business credit you're going to use that with opening vendor accounts and opening business credit cards business credit cards are offered by Citibank Bank of America American Express different banks community banks credit union banks and there's vendor accounts a vendor account is when you open an account with a specific company or a catalog and what you do is uh, for example like a Home Depot or a Granger, a Quill, Uline. These they they sell these they have a catalog and they sell these products. And what you do is they give you a net 30, 60, or 90 day billing period. For example, net 30 means that whatever you spent on that, you hit it, whatever the full amount, whatever you spent on that on on that catalog, you know whatever you charge on onto that account, you have to pay the full balance within 30 days. So that's something you would do, for example, with Granger. So you would buy different things that you need, things for the office, things for your business, and you pay the full amount at the end of 30 days. So you want to continuously do that, and you want to 
you want to get numerous vendor accounts and numerous business credit cards. Now, one tip about business credit cards is that business credit cards, you have to be using them monthly. Even if a small amount, you need to be using them monthly. You can't go more than six months without using them. You want to continue using them to keep that paid score high, which I mentioned earlier. So you want to be, you want to have vendor accounts, you want to have business credit cards, you want to be using them regardless if it's a lot or if it's a little. You want to keep using them to keep your your payday score or your business credit score up high and good. You want to use them a lot. Don't worry about you know not paying the full balance off on a credit card because that isn't held held against you. But you know you pay as much as you can when you can, depending on where your business is at. But like I mentioned earlier, you know the that's how you that's how you you build up your 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 business credit. Now, uh, what you can do is uh, another, another another difference between personal credit and business credit is that you can get a lot more financing in the, with uh, business credit than you can with personal credit. Personal credit, your credit card can only go so much. The limit with the business credit can go so much more higher, way much more higher. And you're also going to get SBA loans with business credit, business you know business credit report. After you've been in, after you've been in business for two years, so your 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 business has to be seasoned for two years, and you have to have cash flow for two years and have tax returns for two years. Once that happens, then you qualify for an SBA loan, which is a small business administration loan. So there's more possibilities, more financing when it comes to business credit versus when it comes to personal credit. Like I mentioned earlier, I mentioned before, I'm a credit specialist in both personal and business credit. What I mentioned tonight, it's just very specific, it's just very vague or some general you know, overview of, the, of this. If you want a very specific strategy for your business, you know, in acquiring business credit, uh, business funding, then that's something you can meet up with me and I can give you a specific strategy, uh, tethered for you. And usually what you will, what I end up doing is working on your personal credit. Once your personal credit is at a certain range, your report, your score, then we start building up your business credit. That's usually the way it works. Unless you already have a good personal credit score, we can go right straight into your business credit. So the next thing I want to talk about is the vendor account. Like I mentioned earlier, the Grainer or Granger. You set up these net 30 accounts after a certain amount of months, after you pay off your balances. That account cannot be turned to a line of credit. You can request that after you've already been shown to, to that company that you can pay your monthly bills every each month, the full amount at the end of the month. Another thing I want to talk about is a paydex account and a personal guarantor. So when I mentioned earlier about the EIN number and your paydex score number, well, one of the biggest things about a paydex score or a business credit uh, business credit report or credit score um, is that once you build it up to a certain point, you can start establishing business credit by only using that paydex score and not your personal score anymore. So in the beginning, when you're building up your business credit, you're going to have to open these vendor accounts like I mentioned earlier, but you're also going to have to use your own personal credit score to get business credit cards. After you establish your credit report, it's strong, it's healthy, you have a good score. That's when you can start using that Paydex score or that Denny Bradstreet number, the EIN number, I'm sorry, to start getting business credit. So you have your same amount of credit cards, your same amount of vendor accounts, you had a good number, your report is strong. Now, with that number that's given to you, that EIN number, you can start getting business credit, credit, um, uh, credit uh, lines of credit, or, 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 or credit business credit uh, uh, credit cards using 
the credit score from the business and no longer your own personal credit score. So just to reiterate that one more time, in the beginning, use your personal credit score to get those business credit cards. Once your business credit is, is solid, it's strong, now you can start using its own paydex score to help you establish more business credit. A few business credit cards that I can mention that I, I have experience with and I know about, well, there's a few of them I know, I know a lot of them, but uh, the ones you want to start with are like an American Express, a Citibank, U.S. Bank, a Home Depot is, is issued through Citibank. Amazon has an American Express account. Uh, there's, there's different, there's different, different companies that have business credit, uh, business credit cards, and they partner with, with specific, you know, uh, lenders, like I mentioned earlier. And you know, Citibank, Bank of America, U.S. Bank, Chase Bank, and American Express. Uh, the ones that I recommend, though, is uh, I recommend American Express. They have really good credit limits. Um, uh, Citibank has a good credit card. They have one with Home Depot. A U.S. Bank is a good, another good business credit card. I recommend that one because that's one of the few business credit cards that offers 0% APR on balance, on purchases, but on balance transfers as well. Yeah, balance transfer, you wanna, you wanna pay off an existing credit card or you wanna pull money from that credit card, or you wanna put it into your checking account, or you wanna consolidate a certain amount of credit, you can use that. So now you can move that into your business credit. Uh, one good thing that, you know, uh, another 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 good thing about have a business credit and that specific business credit card. Let's say you owe a certain amount of money in your personal credit. Well, you can get a business credit card after you already establish your business, your business credit report. You get that business credit from U.S. Bank. You pay off the existing balances in your personal credit using that U.S. Bank and you transfer it over. Now that debt is no longer in your personal credit report. Now you move it into your business credit. And as you're paying that 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 credit off, that that balance off, it's helping you. You know. It's helping you with your business credit report. It's strengthening it. And like I said, you removed it from your personal credit report. So guess what? Now your personal credit report, credit score is going to go up because you removed it from there. And since you transferred it over to your business credit report, now you're establishing that payment history where I mentioned earlier that business credit report bureaus, they often look at. So it's a good move to do that. That's one specific credit card, the U.S. Bank. I don't know of any other business credit cards, but that's one of the best ones that I can, that I know that does that. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is uh, one of the most important things I want to talk about is choosing your entity name. So entity, I mean your LLC, your nonprofit, your 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 C corp, your LLC, your S corp. It's very important that you choose an entity name that um that that does not that doesn't have the type of name that doesn't have a name in which your 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 business is is within that specific industry. So, for example, if if you if you're in the in the real estate real estate industry, if you're in trucking, if you're in restaurant, or if you're in credit, never ever put any of those keywords or anything associated with those industries in the name of your business when you're filing it. Because when you try to get you know business credit or or try to get some kind of funding from lenders, they're going to automatically deny your 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 application because banks do not like. Uh, Companies that are in realty. They don't like companies that are in trucking. They don't like companies that are in the restaurant business. They don't like companies that are in credit. So you will get denied if your name has that. So what I would suggest, though, is try to pick a name that's very generic, that sounds very corporate, uh, something that has nothing to do with the industry you're going into. You can choose a name kind of like the initials of your name. For example, if your if your name is uh, if your initials are MFS or GSR or uh, TAS. 
you can use those specific initials and say TAS Realty, TAS Incorporated, TAS Holdings. And with that, you can submit a business application and there's a higher chance that you will not get denied. At least you won't get denied because of the name. Like I mentioned earlier, banks, now they choose who they want to do business with and there's certain industry they try to stay away from. So if you're, if the name of your business has, you know, anything that's related to realty, to real estate, trucking, restaurant, credit, once again, it will get denied. So stay away from that. Try to always pick a very generic, uh, vague, uh, business entity name. That's one of the reasons. The second reason is that sometimes maybe you go into a certain industry and or a certain project, you realize that wasn't for you, that wasn't for you or for your business. You felt like that, that wasn't, you weren't that successful. You want to switch to something else. Well, how are you going to switch to something else if you're stuck to that name now? So when you have a vague name, that means that you can move, you can pivot and go back and forth between different industries under one big corporation name. That's a great thing you can do. And you can even have numerous businesses under that, that, that entity, different DBAs and, 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 but they're all under the big corporation and you can go, you can, you can try your foot in, in trucking and real estate and rentals. You can do merchandise, clothing all at the same time. And it's all big, one big part of a big corporate umbrella. And, 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 and you can do it all at the same time under one business name. Well, at least the business entity, each one you'd have, you have a different brand, a different DBA. But that's, that's another thing of why you want to pick uh, a very specific, I'm sorry, a non-specific, vague, general business entity so you can pivot between different industries at the same time or if you want to switch from one to another completely. And of course, like I said, they get business credit. Now, when you're starting your business with all these things and keep in mind, you know, there's certain things you can have to pay each month like marketing, advertising, branding. These are things that are important in order to continue to make sure that your business grows and you're able to meet your target audience and, and meet your, your customers. There's a few tools I want to talk about that you should get acquainted with. Google Analytics is one of them. It's a free service. You plug it into your website. It gives you reports on your on who's visiting your website, visiting your website, uh, information from the person's demographics to your user's demographics, to what their interests are, their behaviors, what type of uh, device they use to access your website, whether it's a phone, it's a tablet, it's a computer, the geographic locations, which links they're clicking on most that refers them to your website, which pages they're on there the longest, how they find your web, how they find your website, whether it was through a link or through Google search or through some kind of search engine or if it was through a social media channel. So Google Analytics is really important because it lets you know more about your user. And then once you know more about your, I'm sorry, your, 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 your user customer, uh, then you'll know how to target them, you know how to advertise them, you know where they're at, what kind of, what kind of device they use, what part of the country they're in, what part of the world they're in, what type of device they use, you know, if they're like, okay, well they use Instagram and, you know, they use their phone a lot and they're in Southern California, then place ads in that specific area. So it'll help you with that. It just gives you also just a better picture of who, who's, who's buying from you and who visits your website. Another thing is search engine optimization. You want to make sure that your company is always showing up on the first page. If someone's looking for specific keywords within your industry, someone's looking for your business, you, you know, like if you do a clothing, you know, you want to make sure your business shows up for a specific clothing type of clothes or whatever shows up on the first page of Google search engine or whatever search engine you want to be on the first page. Uh, one, one specific application through Google, aside from Google Analytics, is Google Search Console. That makes sure that your website is being, that it is on Google to begin with Google. The, the Google search engine that they, that Google can find your website and all the pages are on there. There's no issues with the pages and pretty much how people can find you. So it's a great tool to use to make sure you're, you're being listed on there. 
and uh, and also it, it constantly updates your website so when your when your website is going through different changes like adding or changing pages on there so make sure you use google search console to make sure your business or your company or your website is on google google uh, search engine to begin with another thing you want to use is mailchimp mailchimp is a service that that does uh that creates emails also landing pages there's a free version of it but there's also different versions with a uh, different version with with more features you have to pay you know, obviously some kind of fee for that depending on the size of your company and what your goals are another one's very similar to that's hubspot hubspot uh, you can also create like i said uh, emails you can do landing pages but it's also a customer relationship management system what that means is that it tracks all your customer data the the people at the business uh you know the, the customer contact their information what they've purchased their, their history the last point of contact when you talk to them all their contact information, their email, their phone number. Um, it keeps track of all, everything about your customer, what you need to know about them, so that when you want to target them in the future, you know what was the last time you got, what was the last thing they bought from you, what the last contact was. You have all their contact information. So they they specialize in landing pages, customer relationship management, and email as well. And another thing that they offer is they have an academy where you can learn free things about what search engine optimization is about advertising, about you know Facebook ads, Instagram ads. It will teach you about the marketing, you know, principles of marketing. A lot of it's, a, it's it's just pretty much a really good academy that teaches about marketing, anything that's business related, and it's free. That's the great thing about you. You, you can learn a lot about the, a lot about marketing and about a business um, if you go to the academy and it's pretty much free. So remember, it's HubSpot. So it's it's a free CRM, free advertising, free email, and a free academy for business. Um, there are certain, you know, packages where you have to pay a fee. You get more services, but at least the beginning is free and has some really good, good features on there. Another thing is social media channels. Make sure you have a social media presence on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. It's really important because you know different social media channels are used primarily by different people. You know, different age groups. You know, for example, Facebook is probably for people, you know, 40 and up, 40 to 60 and up. Instagram is probably people from their 20s to maybe their mid 30s to late 30s. TikTok, an example, that's one for you know teenagers to people in their 20s, and it's really good. TikTok's actually a pretty good um a good video uh, a good social media channel because there's a lot of DIY, which is do-it-yourself content. Another thing is Pinterest. Pinterest is a really good social media channel. You put a, a specific image of something like a flyer or a poster, and you can put a link directly on that image, and that image can you know, you can get that. I'm sorry, that link on that image can direct the user or the subscriber of your channel or a user of Pinterest to a specific website you want. So it's a really good thing to remember. So remember, keep 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 a, a good social media presence in numerous outlets. Obviously, depending on what service you have, certain services, certain certain industries are better for certain channels, social media channels. Um, not only that, but also because of the age. Another thing you want to do is a. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, create as have an account on Facebook. Uh, Facebook owns Instagram, so uh, what you want to do is you want to create a Facebook business page. You want to create an Instagram business page, and then you want to link them together. Uh, the benefit to that is that you can open a Facebook ad account. When you create Facebook ads, you can create ads that show up on Facebook and Instagram. And you create them from Facebook. And they have really good, you know, we have a really good Facebook um, advertising, uh, you know, uh, that. Uh, platform so you have some good fees on that i know depending on who you're targeting how much how many people you're targeting what your goal is whether it's to get links to get uh people
people to visit a website, people to visit your Facebook business page, people to engage with your Facebook page, uh, people to buy certain, uh, get people to buy certain things. Um, there's different goals on, on Facebook ads. So, so that's something you want to keep in mind. There's no monthly service fee. You only pay for the fees when you launch your campaign. Uh, Facebook ads, like I said, it's really, it's really good. You want to connect those two things together. Another thing you want to do aside from Facebook ads is also Google ads. There's Google search ads. There's Google display ads. There's YouTube ads. There's a, there's a list. There's quite a few things when it comes to, to, to Google and, uh, Google search ads are pretty much the ads you see on the top of the Google search, um, you know, search engine. Uh, Google display ad is will be that image of that company. You were just at a website buying some Nike shoes from XYZ company and you didn't buy it. You left the cart. You go to other websites. Well, guess what? A display ad will show that specific image you're buying or an image of that shoe, something similar to it. And it'll start showing up on different, different websites. That's a display ad. Uh, there's YouTube ads. I'm sure you've everyone seen YouTube ad when you're clicking at a video. Before the video starts, you see the YouTube ad. So that's all given through it's all our services through Google, Google ads. Another thing you want to do is uh, get an account in Canva. Canva is a free graphic design software. Uh, you can create uh, printed and digital media, uh, digital media like Instagram posts, Facebook posts, Pinterest posts. You can create videos. You can create printed media like posters, business cards, uh, a branding style guide, documents, flyers, all types of things. And it is a free version of it. There's also a paid version of it, uh, a subscribed version of it. And, uh, and, and that upgraded version has more features, more templates you can use. Um, and it has, you know, and, and it's, it's a pretty good buy. It's only about twelve, thirty dollars a month. I highly suggest that if you want to cut down on graphic design, you want to do it yourself, you want to start creating your own content, use Canva. There's a free version. If you like it, take a step above and, and get the paid version. It'll save a lot of money. So you don't have to hire a graphic designer, at least when you're starting. Maybe down the future you want to do that. But all around, Canva is a really good, really good platform to use, whether you're a small company, mid-level, or a big com- company. Canva uh, has, really, has a really good templates. It has a lot of good features on there. And that's to create, like I said, graphic design and create images, uh, media, digital media and printed media. Uh, another thing you want to do is, um, is, is open an account at a local business supplier. And I mean like a, an Office Depot or Office Max or Staples. I know Office Depot has a, as a store purchasing card, which is a, which is a business account with them. And, uh, it's, it's really good because you can get discounts on buying business supplies and buying printed, uh, printing materials. So it'll be like, you know, documents, papers, brochures, flyers, even uh, banners. You can get all these, you can get them all at a discount price. I know they have a high discount when it comes to, to printing out documentation, documents, papers. So look into that as well. It's free. Another thing you want to do also is make sure, like I said, I mentioned earlier is that you have a heavy social media presence. And one thing that most people forget is Google business profile or Google search and maps, which it is now pretty much what you do is it's just like Yelp. You know, you, you search in a specific company and so see you find it on Google. You'll have its business profile there. It'll show the date, the times, the hours it's available, the services they have. It'll show uh, different things like that. It'll, it'll show, you know, the, the content on there, images of the place. It'll even leave you a chance where you can see the reviews, uh, links, 
So build a build a Google business profile. It, it there's a lot of value and it carries a lot of weight. A lot of people nowadays before they buy something, whether it's a product or a service, or they're or they're looking into someone who works for themselves, they'll want to do some research on them. So Google business profile is another thing. It's free. There you can run ads that that can go to your Google business profile as well through Google Ads. So don't forget to, to open that as well. So um, now that that we now we know all these different things. Uh, I do want to leave you with uh, one more last thing. Um, people often wonder what the difference is between business funding and business credit. So it's a very simple, distinct difference. A business credit is credit that you will establish by opening vendor accounts. Like I mentioned earlier, the, the Granger, the, the Quill, different different catalogs that you order, different things, whether you pay them at the end of the month, the third day thing. So you start your, your your business credit with those vendor accounts, and and you use your EIN number to get those accounts started. Business funding is when you leverage your personal credit to get business trade lines. So they're both trade lines. You know, business credit and business funding they have both have trade lines. Like I said, business credit, the trade lines are the vendor accounts and the business credit cards. You get business funding. You get business trade lines in the form of business credit cards only, not at the vendor accounts. So you only get the credit cards. In the beginning, you want to start your business funding by using your personal credit, like I mentioned earlier, to get your business credit. Once your credit is at a certain point, your credit, business credit report is high. You have a lot of accounts on there. Now you can start using your business credit or your business IA number to start getting business credit cards instead. So remember, you start with your personal credit to get business credit. Business credit trade lines, it's strong, and then you start moving into using your business, uh, your, your your EIN number to start getting those same business credit cards. Not the same ones, but maybe other ones or better ones. So that's really the biggest difference. Business credits to vendor accounts, and business funding is by using your own personal credit. So use your you use your business credit by by using you know uh, things that you establish using your EIN number, and you use business funding. By you know using your personal credit score to get that. So um, that's just about it. Um, you know that that the hell, the hell, that that's pretty much it. I have no other things to say. Um, that wraps up this 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 episode on how to start a business and how to start your business credit. Um, you know business vendor accounts, business trade lines, business credit cards. Use business credit with vendor accounts. Get business funding with personal credit. Uh, you know, the tools, the entity, the business credit card like I mentioned earlier, all these different things, they all help when establishing your business and getting financing for it and getting capital for it. Like I said, if you want to, you want a very specific strategy on that for your, for your business or whatever industry you're in, reach out to me. I can consult on that. I can help you start your business credit. I can help you start your personal credit. You know, get your personal credit up to a certain point to get your business credit. And then once you get that business credit, you know, we can, Go even further than the sky's the limit. Um, and that you can just reach out to me for that. Um, aside from that, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, any of the topics you want me to cover that I didn't cover tonight, I can cover it at a different at a different podcast episode. Reach out to me. Um, you can go to uh, reach out to me at Leonel Home Loans. That's my Facebook page, Leonel Home Loans on my Instagram. You can even send me an email, Leonel Home Loans. That's L E O N E L H O M E. L-O-A-N-S at gmail.com. Donate home loans at gmail.com. 
and then homeloans.com and then home loans on my Instagram and on my Facebook page. It's different ways you reach out to me. Just reach out to me. Um, and we can get you started on starting your business credit, helping you, you know, create some kind of strategy for your, for your business strategy. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode. In the future, I'm going to be creating more episodes. I plan in the future creating uh, a crypto episode. So you'll learn about crypto. I want to bring a guest speaker on there. I also want to create, um, I want to have another episode that's on life insurance. Talk about what the basics of it is, a life insurance policy, uh, you know, the opportunities in life insurance as, you know, how it can benefit your life, protect your assets. Um, not only that, but maybe you want to be a life insurance agent yourself. That's another, it's another revenue, another avenue you can go with, you know, in the world, in the realm of life insurance and the different products that's offered at a, at a life insurance uh, agency or office. I also want to, I'm going to do some more guests, you know, some guest speakers and other specific mortgage programs. Uh, I want to get a CPA on, on here sooner or later to talk about, you know, uh, you know, what it's needed to, to, uh, to pick an accountant, uh, different accountants out there, what they specialize in. And just someone can give you some more feedback and, you know, how to, how to, which, which CPA to pick. So I'm, I'm trying to get a CPA for you guys. Try to get an insurance agent for you guys, a crypto consultant for you guys. I'm going to get reps from lenders on specific mortgage programs for you guys as well. So I uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, another thing going forward. I will start doing, um, I will start releasing videos. I'm sorry, releasing podcasts every two or three weeks from going forward. I'm going to, I need some time to find these guest speakers to, to record the, these episodes to some of the post production, the editing for it and the promoting for it as well. So, uh, and these, these going to be very specific, you know, episodes with specific details that we're going more to more complex situations. Um, so going forward, I'm going to be releasing podcasts now every two to three weeks, not every week anymore. And I'm thinking of either releasing it on Wednesdays or Saturdays. I'll let you know in the future, but uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support.